Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. And welcome to you. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries. Thank you for tuning in. I'm delighted to have you with us. Today we're going to look at our next lesson in the Beauty of Grace series. And so we're calling this lesson the Composite of Grace. We have talked about many things so far in the previous lessons, and I pray that if you have not heard some of those prior to now, that you can go back and find them in the archives and listen to each one. We've looked at the cause of grace, the cost of grace, the core of grace, the communication of grace, the call of grace, the charge of grace, the conception of grace. We've seen how all of those reference our need for grace in the first place because of sin, Jesus' blood that paid it because God loves us. The message and the invitation has gone out for us to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And once we receive that message and we do actually repent of our sins and believe in him, grace is conceived in us. We're made brand new. We're given eternal life by the Father of eternity. And we have our sins washed away. Praise be to God, because the ransom has been paid on our behalf. We looked at the cohesion of grace, the condition of grace, the cry of grace, the corroboration of grace, the covenant of grace. We looked at all of those dealing with the new covenant, the new condition that we have now. We can now cry, Abba, Father. We're in a new relationship with the Lord. We looked at the competence of grace, the conquest of grace. We looked at how we have now been given innate ability to do the job through the power of the Holy Spirit and the victories that have been won and afforded to us through Jesus' death. We looked at the change of grace, the new person that we've become in Christ Jesus. We looked at the compass of grace, how the Holy Spirit acts in a way like a GPS for us and helps us to live our lives in victory and in service to him, pleasing to the Lord. We looked at the control of grace, being under the influence of grace, not under the influence or no longer slaves to the law or to sin. We looked at the class of grace, where grace teaches us how to live our lives. We looked at the craftsmanship of grace and the choosing of grace, where each person has been crafted and created by God the potter for specific purposes and callings that God wants us to do as we live our lives together. We looked at the conferring of grace, where we talked about how each believer in Jesus Christ, each true follower of Jesus, is given at least one gift, and some may have others, but they are all to be used to minister for the Lord and are conferred upon us by the agent of grace, the Holy Spirit of God. We looked at the charisma of grace in the last episode where we described and understood more about the various gifts that are given to be used for his service. Today, I want to talk about the composite of grace as we look at what these gifts are for and how they are to be used. So we will look at briefly some scriptures that we've already referenced in the last several episodes and gain understanding and application now 
before we move on in our study to the next area, considering the beauty of grace. So I want us to go back and reread 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 through 12. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And I apologize, that was through verse 11. We're to minister these gifts or to serve one another with the gifts that we are given. We talked about this in several of the last few episodes. It's like a waiter or a waitress, and we serve one another with them. Now, in this lesson, please understand your gift is needed. That's why it was given to you, even if it's something that's similar to others. For instance, my gift is teaching. There are many very godly, very beautiful, very solid teachers of the Word of God. But I also have that gift. Now, I could sit back and say, well, I can't do it as well as such and such. I don't have a huge platform like so and so. I'm not really needed. But that's not true. God gave it to me for me to use. And it's the same with you and whatever gifts you are given. And we have to do that. Jeremiah found himself one time thinking, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm tired. They won't, re they won't receive it. They won't listen to me. They mock me. They want to kill me. I don't want to do this anymore. And the Bible tells us in that case that Jeremiah came to understand. He said, it's like fire shut up in my bones. I have to do it. I cannot not do it. And when you're given a gift by God, it'll be that way with you. You cannot not do it. You'll be miserable. You'll be miserable. Even if it's something that's similar to other people, your gift is still needed. And God was wise and perfect in giving it to you. The other thing to consider in this is that each person is unique and slightly different from all others. Partly because you yourself are unique. You're a different person. You come from a different background than someone else. You have a different understanding than someone else. Your personality is unique. Your way of delivery of your gift is unique from anyone else. Your desire and passion is unique. Many teachers of the Word of God concentrate and have a heart for a particular area. For me, a lot of that is in reference to seeing how the Bible is one book, connecting a lot of the Jewish understanding that we've missed in many ways with the New Testament fulfillment of those things and how it was, it's been one book all along, how it was always there from the beginning, but we didn't always understand it. So there's a delivery that I have that's far different than anyone else. There's a desire and passion in operating my gift than, that is unique and different from anyone else. So my job is to do what God has called me to do to the best of my ability and let him contribute it in however way he wants to in his 
kingdom for his purposes. And so I'm delighted and thank you for listening to the teachings that I bring. And please know, beloved friend, that I pray over these, a study I want to be, a true mouthpiece for my Lord. I don't want to take my calling lightly, and I give it my all to the best of my ability. We're also called to be good stewards. Peter just told us that. We're to minister in whatever our gifts are as good stewards of the manifold grace of God, the various or the composite grace of God. Each one of us will give an account for our use of the gifts that have been given to us. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 through 30, and in Luke chapter 19, verse 11 through 27, we read about two parables that the Lord has given to us. One is the parable of the talents, and the other is the parable of the minus. And in both of those, they were given or it was distributed to them certain things. And with those things, they were to then use them for the master, use them to increase and to be fruitful for the Lord who gave them those things. In Matthew 25, it was talents, which is some type of weight or money. In Luke 19, it was the minus, similar. But in both of those accounts, the message is the same. There would be an accounting on a coming day, and the master expected that they had used those things. And their blessing and commendation or their punishment was based on faithfulness or lack of faithfulness in what they were given. So it doesn't matter if your gift is the same as someone else or if you're given a little bit and someone else may be given a lot to whom much is given, much is required. We must remember that whatever we've been given by God, we will one day give an account of our use of what God gave us and whether we were faithful in it, no matter what it was. Peter also tells us here that our purpose in using the gift is to make sure that the glory of God is known in all things. All uses, all operations, and all ministries are done for God's glory. It's His and His alone. He alone is worthy of the glory and the praise and the honor. If you'll remember, in some prior episodes, we looked at David's words in his prayer when he said, it is of your own we give back to you. In other words, David recognized that God gave it to begin with. And he and he alone gets the credit and the glory. In Romans chapter 1 verse 11, Paul writes these words, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, so that you may be established. So Paul wanted to give them gifts and one of the purposes he mentions here is to establish them, to confirm to them their calling, to encourage them in their ministry so that they would use it for service for the Lord. And when we do that also, we are then fulfilled and we are pleasing to the Lord. You may have heard of the movie Chariots of Fire. And in that movie, Eric Little is famed for saying these words, that when he runs, he feels God's pleasure. 
God had made him and gifted him to do that. And he was able to use that in some way to bring glory to God. And he was pleasing to the Lord because he did what God had called him to do. He did what God crafted him to do in that area of his life. And so when we use our gifts for the service of our king as well, we will then be fulfilled and will be pleasing to the Lord. In Romans chapter 12, I want to read verses 1 through 8. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith, or ministry, let us use it in our ministries. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So Paul here is also giving us some principles about the operation of these various gifts. And we covered these gifts and, and the others that are listed in Scripture in the previous episode. Paul tells us here that we need to keep a humble attitude in operating in our gift. We never are to think of ourselves more highly than we should. We can't think of ourselves as being the best prophet, the best teacher, the best servant, the best merciful person operating in the gift of mercy. We have to keep a humble attitude in operating in our gift. We need to think soberly, seriously. Remember, the purpose of our gifts and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not for show. They are not to amuse anyone. They are not for some power or fame. Jesus would not amuse anyone, including King Herod with what God had entrusted to him. He took it very seriously and very soberly, and we must do the same. We must honor God with our gifts. And remember, we must give an account to God at the Bema Seat for our faithful use of the gifts that we've been given. Remember, we will be judged on faithfulness in the use of them. We must use them, employ them in God's service, following the leading of the Holy Spirit of God to the best of our ability. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, it says this, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Remember, we are a composite body. We're all many different members, but it's one body, the body of Jesus Christ, the church of the living God. And we are to use whatever gift we have for the profit of all. 
for the benefit or advantage to the encouragement for all. In later verses of that same chapter, and we've looked at these in previous episodes, all of the various gifts are needed and necessary as parts of the body. In a similar fashion to the human body needs the eye, but it also needs the heart. It, it needs the liver. It needs the legs and the feet. It needs the skin. It needs the ears. We're all members, but it's one body. And every person and every gift is necessary. I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 as well. We might think that this doesn't fit between the chapters 12 and 14, which cover the gifts, but it is absolutely essential. And God knew exactly what he was doing, as he always does. He put it there for a purpose. And I hope that we can see maybe a glimpse of that as we look at it now. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. God has inspired Paul here to insert this chapter right after the chapter about all the gifts, chapter 12 and before chapter 14, where certain gifts are really expounded on even more. And it tells us more information about the operation of gifts and some of the confines for those. And he's talking about love here, agape kind of love. That's what's described here. That's where we have these descriptions about love suffers long, it's kind. It doesn't envy, it doesn't boast about itself, it doesn't parade itself, it never fails, etc. And Paul makes very clear here that having true, sincere love is more important than the gifts themselves. If we lack the love, the gifts are meaningless and useless. 
Love must be a part of the operation of all the gifts. And this is beautifully pictured for us in the Old Testament. I want to look at Exodus chapter 28, because there's one particular portion of a garment, a special garment, that really shows us some details about this truth that's very important and helps us understand why chapter 13, God inserted it. Now, it wasn't necessarily divided into chapters and verses in that day, of course. Paul was just writing it on a scroll, you know, on parchment, like things were done in that day. But there's a reason it's in between the message of chapter 12 and the message of chapter 14. And I want you to see that connecting with this beautiful picture from the Old Testament. In Exodus chapter 28, I want to read verses 1 and 2, and then I want to jump down to verse 31 and begin again. Exodus 28, 1 and 2. Now take Aaron your brother and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he may minister to me as priest. Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. Then he goes on and he describes what all of those holy garments are. And they're all beautiful, and that, that's another study that we may do in the future if the Lord wills. But for today, I want us to pick up the reading in verse 31 and read a few verses. You shall make the robe of the ephod all of blue. There shall be an opening for his head in the middle of it. It shall have a woven binding all around its opening, like the opening in a coat of mail, so that it does not tear. And upon its hem you shall make pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet all around its hem, and bells of gold between them all around. A golden bell and a pomegranate. A golden bell and a pomegranate. Upon the hem of the robe all around. And it shall be upon Aaron when he ministers, and its sound will be heard when he goes into the holy place before the Lord, and when he comes out, that he may not die. This specific robe of the ephod was one of the garments established by God to be included in the holy garments of the priesthood of that day. And this particular garment was made of all blue, Blue signifies the Holy Spirit. It was not to be torn around the neck. It was all made of one piece with the opening, so it would be given to them and placed upon them from above. They would have to put it on from above, which signifies this coming upon them through the Holy Spirit from above, from God the Father. And it included in its hymn bells and pomegranates, and they were to be alternating. The bells represent the gifts of God, the golden gifts that God has come down and given to each person through the agent of grace, the Holy Spirit of the living God. The pomegranates represent the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, Paul writes these words, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, 
long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Paul lists for us out here the fruit of the Spirit, represented by the pomegranates in the hem of this high priest's robe. And he tells us here, against these there's no law. In other words, there's no limit. You can use and have these and be operating from these, these fruits of the Spirit, as often as possible with no restraint, as much as possible, as long as possible. This is the fruit of the Spirit, and God wants it to be so abundant in our life that it's overflowing, and there's no law against it. There's no limit. God established, even in the high priest's garment, that robe of the ephod, these bells and pomegranates alternating. And the reason Paul has already told us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that we just read about the love, we call it the love chapter. And it's this, if we have just the gifts in operation and we don't truly have love operating among us, those gifts are just clanging symbols. They're just clanging against each other. There's pride, there's competition. There's all of these things that God is not pleased with that God does not want. So it's important for us to understand that even in this garment from the Old Testament, God gave us a beautiful picture of the gifts being necessary to alternate and to have within them the, the fruit of the Spirit, love also operating at the same time. Without that, you have competition. Without that, you are looking and you are thinking along the lines of the flesh and not the Spirit. You are operating with jealousy or envy you are allowing other sins or carnalities to come into the picture. So we need to make sure that we have love, true, sincere love in operation, as described in 1 Corinthians 13, that is operating within the operation of our gifts, whatever they may be as well, especially within the body. Because many of us will have the same gift. And we are not to compare ourselves with others. We're not to be envious or jealous. We're not to allow these things into our lives. And the way we do that is by operating in love. Praise be to God. So it's important that love must be in our operation of these gifts. When a Christian recognizes, learns about, and uses their individual gifts, they need to remember these principles and follow them in order to be effective, faithful, and glorifying to God. Minister to one another with the gifts, doing them to glorify and honor God, being humble with your attitude, thinking soberly about them, being serious about their use and your faithfulness as a good steward. And that would include learning more about your gift or learning how to use your gift. For instance, studying, finding out the good resources and reference materials to use. For instance, if you're a teacher or a pastor, learning things about your operation of your gifts would be included in thinking soberly and being serious about them. 
Remember to use them for the benefit of all. Follow the Holy Spirit's leading and always, always, always operate with love. Let there be no competition. Let there be no self-seeking. Let all of the elements of love that 1 Corinthians 13 describes be in operation in your life and know that there's no limit whatsoever on the fruit of the Spirit. Lastly, I want to close out by reading a couple of final scriptures to you. One is in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So Paul is writing to Timothy and he tells him, stir it up. Your gift, maybe you've gotten weary. Maybe you've grown weary in well-doing. Maybe you've set it to the side. Maybe you've made it dormant in your life. And maybe you need to hear this word from Paul to Timothy to stir it up, to rekindle it, revive it, relight a dormant flame in your heart. Maybe it would help you if you find the song. There was a song from the 70s and 80s called Light the Fire Again. Beautiful worship song. Maybe that will help you, I don't know. But stir up that gift. Get excited about it and be able to then use it for God's purposes. And also in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, Paul also tells Timothy, do not neglect it. Don't be careless with it. Don't disregard it. And do not make light of your gift because your gift is just as important as anyone else's and is needed for the whole of the body. Use your gift wisely and do it as an offering to the Lord himself. And I want to read this final scripture. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24 says this, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. We need to remember these words. Whatever we are to do in the body of Christ, let us do it with everything within us, knowing that one day we will stand before the Lord to be rewarded for our faithfulness and that all that we're doing is in service to the Lord Christ. May God be glorified and you and the body of Christ be edified as each one of us operate in what God has gifted us to do, as we all are the church or the composite of grace, the entire body with each member needed and useful to the help of the whole. I pray that this has been a blessing to you and Lord willing, you can join us again for more episodes in our Beauty of Grace series. God bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.